You're listening to episode 97 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, it's hard for me to believe, but we are quickly closing in on 100 episodes of the Pastor Writer Podcast, and about the same time, we should hit 100,000 downloads. It's a pretty big milestone for any podcast, but one that obviously for me personally is a big deal. I've been asking listeners if you have been impacted by the show or have enjoyed it. Maybe you'd consider leaving an audio message about how the show has helped you personally. And to show my appreciation, one participant will randomly be selected to win a pair of Apple AirPods. I thought I might give you an example of some of the ones that have been coming in. And to all those who have been participating, I can't say thank you enough. Hey, my name is Scott Kadersha, and I'm just really am so grateful for this podcast. A couple of reasons why. One, I'm a pastor and I'm a writer. And so uh, I definitely connect with every aspect of what Chase is doing with uh, with this great podcast. Uh, I so appreciate his honesty and the way that he really does uh, capture that tension between how to be excellent in what we do and honor God with it. He's straightforward about his own challenges and what he's doing, both as a pastor and a writer. I feel like I'm not alone uh, in in battling that tension and trying to do things with excellence. And uh, I got uh, just honored to be a guest on the podcast as well in September of 2019. And so, Chase, just grateful for what you're doing. Keep going. Uh, again, Scott Kadersha, and I'll write at scottkadersha.com, author of a book called Ready or Not. I want to say thanks to Scott for his willingness to leave that message. And if you would be willing to do the same, you can go to pastorwriter.com slash message. And there it really is as easy as hitting a record button and you can record the message right on your phone or right on your desktop browser, whatever's most convenient for you. Well, I'm joined on the podcast today by Jeremy Reitbull. Jeremy is the lead campus pastor at Woodside Bible Church, Plymouth Campus in Michigan, where you'll find him preaching most Sundays. And he's also the executive director for Gospel-Centered Discipleship, something we're going to spend some time talking about today, a resourcing ministry that exists to help make, mature, and multiply disciples of Jesus. He's also a writer. Uh, He's been published in several books, as well as his writings appear in publications like He Reads Truth, Christ and Pop Culture, and For the Church. Jeremy, it's an honor to get to chat today and have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Chase. I'm really glad to be here with you today. Well, uh, I like to start off by sort of hearing about uh, the work uh, that uh, guests are doing, and I know you are a pastor at Woodside Bible Church, so maybe uh, give us a little context for the church itself and your role there and uh, what life looks like for you as a pastor. Yeah, I'm at a really uh, unique and dynamic uh, church context um, in that uh, Woodside Bible Church is a multi-site church in the uh, greater Detroit metro area. Um, Southeast Michigan. So we have uh, 14 campuses uh, spread throughout um, throughout our area. And uh, I've been the lead campus pastor at the Plymouth campus for five years now, um, which for Woodside, that was a, uh, a church revitalization uh, project. So uh, most of our most of our campuses came about as a result, uh, not of, you know, like trying to go into a place and say, hey, we're the only and best church, and we're just going to plop ourselves here and make a campus and rock it that way. Um, but more out of a sense of wanting to help, uh, and encourage and keep lo- local lighthouses open. 
Uh, so a lot of our campuses were the product of that uh, relationship where a, a congregation who had need of leadership or uh, help that was maybe struggling in some way came to uh, the leadership at Woodside Bible Church and said, can you help us? And um, that might not mean a merger right away, but that mean uh, like pulpit supply or just leadership uh, coaching or, or things like that. And so the campus I'm at five years ago um, began. Uh, was one of those campuses that came to Woodside and said, hey, we need some help. We don't have any uh, senior leadership anymore. Um, can we can we be a part of the Woodside family? And uh, the church was about 70 people, and um, Woodside merged with them and came in. And uh, I, um, I started that started with that church campus and have been there uh, ever since, the last five years, serving and leading and growing our team and seeing God grow our church. And uh, it's been it's been awesome. So um, really a dynamic thing in that I'm not an isolated pastor uh, just in a community um, trying to do the work on my own, um, but have a network of 13 other campus pastors um, and our lead pastor, Chris Brooks, now and um, just just being able to work alongside them, resource each other and see see God do some really incredible and great things in our area. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting model and uh, uh, interesting perspective just because uh, I know so many pastors find themselves in that situation and to know that there are these levels of support even beyond sort of I have friends that are pastors or, you know, I have I am yeah. a campus pastor, but to have these sort of networks of relationships working together. Maybe you could also tell me a little bit about uh, where I kind of wanted to focus our conversation today was on gospel-centered discipleship. Um, it's an organization that uh, I've come across several times online and know you've been doing quite a bit of work with writers as well. So uh, for those who haven't heard, maybe you could talk a little bit about what gospel-centered discipleship is as an organization and your role there. Sure. Gospel-centered discipleship was uh, started uh, um, probably about Oh, maybe 10 years ago, um, our founder, Jonathan Dodson, uh, wrote a book that Crossway published. And I, and I believe uh, Jonathan said they're even doing a second edition of it coming up here soon. Um, and that book title was Gospel-Centered Discipleship. And so he wanted to provide uh, a model and uh, some resources for, for churches and for uh, leaders and uh, really the church at large to do – uh, the work of discipleship in, in their context well and to engage culture, to engage, engage the scripture. And uh, so out of that uh, publication, he um, felt like it would be a good place to create kind of an online presence for, um, for cultivating writers, for um, being able to continue that conversation about discipleship through missional communities and um, really to provide a place for um, – for people to write and, and contribute uh, more to, uh, to the discipleship culture. And the organization over the last several years has grown um, significantly. A few years ago, uh, I came on board as the executive director and began to sense and lead us just to building a team. Um, and so in the last several years, we've established a staff writers team, um, a group of, I think there's 11 of us right now that um, we ask for just a consistent voice of them writing um, every month. And we want to cultivate them as writers and help them in their craft. And um, one of the aspects of having a great craft in writing is also having really great editors that can uh, work with you and, and uh, help sharpen your ideas and clarify your, your work and even, um, even rough out some of the uh, hard edges uh, on your writing. And so we've got a team of five uh, staff writers, associate editors, uh, or I'm sorry, five associate editors and 11 staff writers. And so that's kind of the, the in-house team at, at uh, GCD that's writing and contributing to uh, to the church. And we put in our mission statement, we want to produce resources that help make, mature, and multiply disciples of Jesus. Um, so everything that we write about uh, really comes around and centers to that to those issues um, and to that end. 
Well, from your seat, as you're looking at the church as a whole and trying to provide these resources, equipping for discipleship, um, what what is a... Uh, oh, how do you see the church doing when it comes to discipleship, oh. and uh, and what is this sort of hole that you guys are identifying as a need for for pastors and churches to be better equipped, or maybe it is directly to, to believers themselves to be better equipped in what it means to to become and grow as a disciple? I think there's probably a spectrum in which the church kind of looks at discipleship, and on one end of the spectrum, um, the church can believe that just doing the right programs or doing programs at all. Um, is discipleship. And so if you attend a, an eight-week Bible study class on uh, systematic theology, um, somehow you've made a disciple. Um, and, and that can be one end of this spectrum where it's very, very prog programmatic and just that's all it is. Um, and then I think on the other end of the spectrum, it's not so much like the organic nature of it, but it's just nothing is discipleship. And um, so you just kind of let it go and just kind of hope that maybe by osmosis or just by figuring it out, you know, kind of in an abstract way, uh, you'll make disciples. And I think the the issue is really kind of somewhere in the middle there where uh, we need, we need resources, we need programs, we need um, steps, if you will, or more structures and maybe the better way of putting it for discipleship. But really those structures and steps have to do with all of life because um, being a follower of Jesus does relate to every area and sphere of life. It's not, uh, it's not that I can be a Christian and a disciple of Jesus just on Sundays or on Wednesday nights. Um, but uh, when I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm on the, on the field coaching my son's little league team, you know, I've, I've got to be a disciple of Jesus there. And so what does that look like? Uh, when, um, when mom is out with, uh, uh, with other moms interacting in life, what does that look like? It just, uh, it hits everywhere. So we need kind of those, those structures and patterns to help us meet and deal with and think through life in every area. And I think that's something that, that we've tried to do and what we're writing about is just um, thinking through those categories of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. Where does, uh, where does the gospel speak into those things? How does Christ and who he is form us? Um, you know, Paul says in the scriptures in uh, 2 Corinthians, that as we behold Christ, we are transformed more and more into his uh, image, into his glory. And so how do, we, how do we get views of Jesus that will shape us so that we look like Jesus um, in every area of life? And who's the community around us that helps us um, and walks with us in those things? Um, so that's really kind of where we're trying to hit uh, hit and find, uh, find a good voice for and speak into uh, the lives of, of the, um, of the average believer today. Yeah. I think you capture those, um, those two sort of extremes really well, and they seem accurate. I think you, you're probably right. We may look back on this time in sort of church history and recognize that when it came to discipleship, we either sort of just assumed it would happen on its own, or we thought we could sort of stamp it out in an assembly, kind of a 101, 201, 301, and then, you know, right. receive their certificate, you're a disciple, you know, and now <laughs> on to serving. Uh, and really this sort of not knowing exactly what it looks like in this world we're in now to really to walk with and create disciples um, in an intentional way, but in a, in a sort of personal way that is expressed in all of life. I think you articulate that challenge really well. Um, how are you guys going about that? What is from your position? I know you focus quite a bit on writing. Um, you talk about resources. What What do you think the church needs to sort of fill that hole that you're articulating? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly we need to get back to um, Christ and get back to the scriptures. And so that's, I think, the the biggest uh, issue there is how does the scriptures speak to those uh, situations and to those needs? And so um, the articles that we produce, um, we publish on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, 
uh, calendar. Um, and we're probably going to be ramping that up here uh, to every day uh, weekly um, coming up. So just try to lay out um, as we can um, resources that help people think through those things. So even just this last week, we, we had a, an incredible article from uh, someone who was in our last season of our writers cohort. Um, and it was entitled, um, happy Valentine's day to the man who's, who assaulted me. And, uh, this woman was just able to speak the gospel about, um, about a very, very difficult situation in her own life and show the way of Jesus, uh, that I, I think was really compelling and engaging, um, and, and that's the kind of thing that we, we have to address, right, um, is, is what does it look like when we're sinned against? What does it look like when, um, when we're wronged? Where, where do we find the ways of Jesus in, in everyday life? So I think that's where we're trying to press in and help address those discipleship needs. Uh, GCD is not the church, and we've all identified that as a team. Like, <laughs> um, we're not a replacement of the church. We're not a community that you can get your church at. We're just trying to be a, a supplemental resource to uh, to churches and Christians in in uh, dealing with and thinking through those everyday issues, um, so that they live it out well. Um, and to and to resource church leaders. Um, that's one of the encouraging things. Of being the executive directors, I kind of see the stats and the um, the reports and just kind of know where people are reading from. And I even get emails from time to time from folks all over the world saying, uh, can I translate this article into my own language um, just to help our church? Because we found it really excellent um, in that way. And so I think those kind of things are just like really cool to watch and see. Yeah, uh, that emphasis on on writing and the developing of writers for the sake of discipleship in the church. Um, how intentional was that, and and what led the organization to say we think written content is a big part of the way that we help equip believers to become stronger, better disciples? Yeah, we we a few years ago really sensed as we had this staff writers team, um, we kind of sensed there was a little bit of a um, a niche for us in um, in the uh, I don't know if the marketplace is the right word or the, uh, the blogosphere, um, but we sensed there was a place for us to actually do some um, help in cultivating writers. And uh, just this last year, we added that to our mission statement that we exist to uh, cultivate writers and resources to make mature and multiply disciples of Jesus. And uh, we we saw that just through our own interaction as a, with our staff writers and editors, we saw this community form. And I think the metaphor that we've used quite often is from Ernest Hemingway and his um, uh, his book uh, Movable Feast. He had this this community in Paris, and he writes about this that was kind of this writer's community of people that were sharing community and life and even their needs together. They were reading each other's material and and just speaking into the craft of writing and really bettering each other out of that. And we were feeling that a little bit together uh, on our staff writers team and. Um, and then I noticed like some people were asking like, Hey, how could I get it on that? Is there a place for me to get some, um, some coaching or some encouragement or just a, a step forward in my own craft? And, um, we were like, yeah, that, that'd be great. We'd love to encourage people. Uh, we want to help writers improve, uh, in their craft. And I think that that's something that, um, a lot of Christian writers need. Um, it's, it's not just about kicking out a blog piece and saying, Hey, isn't this great? But really, and that's what the thing I value the most is, is the editorial team working together and saying, okay, this is good, but we want to see it be excellent um, because excellent craftsmanship um, demonstrates and displays uh, the God who has made all things very good. And um, his, his culture making is part of our image bearer uh, reality that we are culture makers as well. So we want to make good culture. We want to make uh, and produce excellent 
uh, writing and have our craft really there excel. And so um, that was an area we found like, hey, we can help coach. We can uh, mentor some writers. We can throw some intensives, um, just some you know one-day workshops here and there just to kind of help people uh, get in and improve and make progress in their writing craft. Uh, yeah, I resonate with it so much because I know early on when um, I started, I'd always been interested in writing, but when I decided, okay, this is something, uh, instead of just saying that I would like to do, I'm going to try to be a little more intentional about, uh, that can feel like such an isolating thing. I mean, I remember spending some time writing and having some chapters even for a manuscript, and, and the feeling was for me, uh, I don't even really know what I have here. Like, is this something I should continue pursuing? Should I no. hit pause on this and go like study how to use commas better? Like, I don't, I don't know what this is by myself. And a couple episodes ago, I interview, interviewed Philip Yancey, and we talked about uh, he describes writing as as psychotic and the sort of craziness that can go into how much of this work is in your head and alone yeah. and in front of a screen, a keyboard. And then when you produce it, you you read it, and you're so biased by having made it, you're not quite sure what it even is or what to do with it. And and uh, that outside perspective is just – I don't know how you do it without it, whether it's an editor, whether it's a writing team around you, whether it's just helpful readers. I've had those that I'm thank- thankful for. Um, it feels like something that happens alone, but it, it never can be. It, it's never mm-hmm. good when it's alone. Uh, and so I know you guys have been really intentional about creating those opportunities. I wanted to talk uh, about a couple of them, but also beyond just what you offer itself, just the value of that for writers. I know the first one is the uh, the writer's intensives that you guys offer. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, what the writer's intensive is and, and why that helps support writers in the work they're doing. Yeah, one of the things that we've we've seen has been really cool is just having that live experience together when you're actually in the same room and uh, you're looking at your friend or somebody maybe you don't even know real well but who's writing the same, you know, writing with you as well and you're looking at them in the eyeball and you're saying, "Is this really good or is this like do I need to work on this and get some help?" And so we wanted to create kind of that environment where uh we were live in in the room together um sharing uh, our, our work and, and hearing from others. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we had our first writers intensive uh, in Louisville and um, had a handful of writers and some speakers. And, and that's really the thing that, that we've been blessed by is just having some really great relationships with, um, in my opinion, some of the best writers in, um, in the Christian industry today who just who communicate so well and are gospel centered. Um, that really fit us uh, together, um, getting them in the room to help coach people and just to say, Hey, as you work on writing, think about this, you know, how do you write for the head and, and think about, um, not just intellectually sounding smart, but how do you write in such a way to, to display what's true and to, uh, to bring that to light and to show the glory of God, uh, in your writing? How do you, how do you communicate, um, to engage emotions and, and, um, grip the heart and not in a way that's fake or, um, you know, just kind of fluffy, but really is, is solid and, and is beautiful in that. And so we found by having specific people that can coach well, we can get folks together in the room, uh, talking about their writing, hearing about it, learning. And so the writer's intensives are really just a, um, a one day kind of, or half day kind of workshop or, or gathering, just to get people together around in the craft um, and to uh, to enjoy and experience that. And our next one's coming up here in just a couple months in April, uh, on April 13th in uh, in Louisville again um, at Sojourn Midtown. Um, and we're, we're aiming this one for writers, uh, uh, writers or leaders. So we know there's going to be a lot of pastors and leaders in Louisville that week for the uh, T4G conference. And we just thought here's a great opportunity for us to connect with them and uh, serve them as leaders 
by helping them in their craft as writing. And so we've got uh, Ronnie Martin and Jared Wilson and Jonathan Dodson coming to speak about writing for leadership. And I think those are going to be some really great topics and talks uh, just to build up writers and help them. Yeah, I think so too. Is there a certain uh, level you expect people to be at? Do they have to have already been writing or publishing or is that open to anybody who's just maybe exploring maybe a sense of calling that they've not yet acted on? Yeah, no, it's, it's open for everybody. I think um, that's one of the fun things about writing too. And I, and I don't know if this is kind of a hobby horse or not, but I love it when we get um, multiple experienced levels of writers in, uh, in, in a context together where you have people who have been published, we're able to, to talk to folks who never have, or maybe just are starting out and they thought, you know, uh, maybe I should write a blog or I've got uh, my church newsletter that I'm writing for to get them together, I think really helps people along. And so it's not kind of this clicky sort of, you know, you've got to have uh, written four or five, you know, published pieces and they've got to be, you know, best trending um, articles online. But just let's get anybody at any level together. Um, let them learn from one another. Let them learn from our speakers and, and grow in that. So it's not a um, yeah, like I said, it's not a clicky sort of thing where you've got to have a certain level of expertise. Um, if you if you're contemplating writing at all, uh, or feeling or sensing a call in that um, in any way, we want to serve you there, and we want to connect with you. Yeah, I think listening to writers can be really helpful for that. I know for me, um, this image you have of what a writer is and what a writer does can be uh, can be wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's the the, the, <laughs> the easiest way to say it. Uh, uh, and so when you listen to somebody who really is doing it and working on it and you hear where the work actually lies and what it means to write and how you improve on that, I think it can be really helpful in just setting expectations and helping understand, okay, what is this thing that God might be asking me to, to, to move into mm -hmm. or spend more time on? Um, the other side of that is what you guys do with the, uh, the mentoring cohorts. Maybe you could explain a little bit about, about that program and how it benefits writers. Right. Yeah. So the intensives are kind of like a little taste of, uh, of writing together and just some opportunities to experience and connect um, with other writers. The, the mentoring cohort is uh, the deep dive uh, in together in that. And so um, there's six month community experiences. We, we only take 12 writers uh, at a time and um, through six um, uh, video calls that we'll have with, uh, guest mentors and myself. This is one of my favorite things cause I get to host this and lead this. Um, we build in some of those structures and then some of those, um, uh, resources for writers in their craft and, uh, help them kind of think through the elements of, um, not, not like the technical elements of grammar and spelling, um, and that sort of thing. But, you know, how do I write for the head? How do I write for the heart? What makes good writing? Um, what about my writing, um, should be, should be really useful. Um, and then we, we have, um, some, uh, editors who are in the publishing industry as well that are part of that. And so they can speak into the, uh, ideas of publishing and platform and all that great and fun stuff. Um, through six months and those, those once a month coaching calls, uh, we get together, we converse in that. And then, um, our, the writers who are in those cohorts, uh, are actually asked to, um, uh, write a homework assignment every month. So we give a writing prompt or some sort of uh, style that we want them to write in. They take that, they write it, and then they submit it back to uh, the GCD editors um, who work with them through those six months in their craft. They kind of help um, pull out, here's some of the patterns that we see in your writing style, or here's some, some things that might be helpful to you. Uh, we just kind of learn and, and walk with those writers for six months in a more intensive way and uh, help them level up uh, wherever they're at in their in their writing craft and skill. And again, this is kind of a broad thing. We've got we've had folks that are um, 
published uh, and even have written some books um, in the writing cohort. And we have some brand new writers as well. So there's a dynamic synergy uh, to that that allows um, those who are in the cohorts each season to really enjoy and grow and build some community with other writers uh, as well. That's been a fun thing we've seen um, is the relationships that have been formed and are um, connecting uh, still to this day uh, around those cohorts. Those opportunities to uh, to get perspective and work through things, work through the editorial process, receive edits. I mean, those are just so valuable. I mean, if you write, it's going to happen. So the fact you could do it in sort of a controlled and deliberate way to learn from it, to me, just seems like an incredible opportunity. Um, as you're evaluating writers sort of across the spectrum that are doing this six months sort of focused, I mean, you're seeing what they're writing and how they're approaching it and how the edits are going. Um are there common areas you think beginning writers or people who are beginning that process, they need to grow in or areas that they should focus on as they're sort of stepping into that process, maybe for the first time? Yeah, I think one of the things that I see a lot is, uh, especially with new writers, is the urge or the, maybe it's a fear uh, that that what they have to say, they've got us, they've, this is their only shot to say it. And so they've got to say all that they've got to say <laughs> in, in one take. And um, it's, it's fly or die uh, on, on that end. And so I, one of the early on things that I'm just seeing from some of our, some folks that are writing and new is, is I'm saying too much um, and not coming with a, a simple and clear uh, thesis uh, from an article or from a proposal of just saying like, this is um, Again, to go back to Hemingway, he had one, one of my favorite writing prompts of his was, you know, when I'm stuck, when I have writer's block, I just have to write down the, the one simple truth that I, that I know um, and say it in a single sentence. What's one true thing that I can write a sentence about? And um, I think that's a good practice for, for beginning writers just to say, okay, whatever this idea or concept is, you don't have to say everything in the world about it right now, but say it one way, one true single sentence that that is simple and clear and that'll help you um, build out and uh, develop the rest of that piece uh, from there and so um, yeah simplicity in writing i think is is a, is a starting place uh, there there seems to be something too about the uh sort of the online nature the way people are consuming content when it comes to to blogs and articles mm -hmm. um, i knew that impulse to say oh i'm writing an article on this subject this needs to be the definitive article on this subject <laughs> and here's everything i think about this topic and the next thing you know it's you know six thousand words and no one's reading it um which is pretty much my blog if people follow <laughs> it so that's what it's there for uh but the times i've written for more publication um that that pressure you're right to sort of get to the point what is the thing the thing that flipped it for me was recognizing that those articles tend to function as the beginning of conversations and right. the times that i've done that really well for publication um i've seen it happen i've seen people take the article and discuss it on podcasts or radio shows or write articles in response or write me emails or the social media interactions and then sometimes that's prompted me to post a responding article to the blog or to flesh that out that really those those can be opportunities to to raise a conversation and then once that conversation is happening to speak into it in a fuller way that realization helped me that that i'm not saying everything and putting a period at the end to conclude it but I'm really writing as a way of opening up that conversation for people. Yeah. When, I think it was in a high, when I was in high school um, and I'm reading some of the, you know, the American classics and some of the world classics in, in that. And um, one of my teachers just made the comment to us in, in an English class um, that, that we are never um, really 
crafting our own original thoughts uh, in our writing ever. We're always standing on the shoulders of uh, thought uh, leaders who have come before us um, in, in whatever field or whatever area. And that just stuck out to me that I'm always standing on someone else's shoulders um, and helped me to say, okay, I, again, I don't have to say everything that there is, and I'm probably not going to say it as well as they did uh, even, but um, maybe I have a contribution to make that would help just advance this idea or this concept or this mark of discipleship just a little bit farther down the field. And it may only help one or two people, um, but I have a contribution to make. And so I can I can write that and stand on the shoulders of others and uh, collectively uh, really experience just help and growth to others uh, through our writing. So um, I think that's a little bit of a temptation is that we want to uh, believe that, that we have to be the experts or the only ones who can ever say anything about this um, or the only ones who may know anything about it. But when really, when we see our writing in light of community, um, it's more of a conversation with others um, to help others. Well, one of the things that your, um, I think your intensives and your cohorts do is they, um, they expose the value of, of not just relationships, but also sort of networks of those relationships. Um, I, in a, I can imagine myself liking the idea of being alone somewhere and writing and, and the sort of uh, the, the seclusion of it. And, and I'm sort of, by nature, I enjoy that sort of time. Uh, one of the big surprises for me through the last few years of focusing on writing has been how important developing relationships, professional relationships are within the writing. I mean, even your nice conversation and having met online and so mm -hmm. many like that. Um, I just, I completely underestimated not just the value of those relationships, but the joy and the encouragement and the fulfillment of those relationships. As you see writers who may, uh, for the sake of being frank about it, are unknown or maybe un disconnected, that's very much where I was when I started, um, and you see them come into these intensives and start to build those relationships and work with editors and that sort of network begin to grow. Um, what is the value and what is the significance of, of how a writer should approach those professional relationships when they're thinking about their writing? Yeah, and maybe I want to just throw in a word of caution on this too, um, because sometimes I think, um, and maybe it's just my own heart on this, but um, we can tend to believe that if I find like and make the connection with the right person, um, that that I'll have a silver bullet in uh, in publication um, from here on out. Like I'll be known, and I'll be <laughs> my platform yeah, will yeah. excel. If only, also. if only, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and maybe I, that was the only way I was thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think within you know people wanting to grow a network, it's just to be relatable. Um, to be to be someone who can say, um, "Hey, will you when you have time, uh, would you would you be willing to read this or um, dialogue with them on some of their work uh, as well?" Just to just to be uh, winsome and encouraging and and helpful um, in in conversing about some of that writing uh, technique and uh, concepts and, and ideas there. I think that is how someone can begin to, uh, to grow their network. Um, I've um, earlier on, um, I, I would blast out my article to uh, every, um, every, you know, Christian writer who had a lot more platform than I did and hope that they would read it and say, I think this will be really helpful for you. And, and you, you know, hopefully you'll share it with uh, all your millions of followers and I'll, I'll get big. And, and I found that they never did. And it, it was like, wait, why, you know, that that's kind of thought this was how this worked. Um, 
and one, it was probably because it wasn't written well. Um, two, I was probably kind of annoying about it. <laughs> and, uh, and three, it was just a matter of time, right? Um, they're working on their own craft and, and the deadlines and responsibilities that they have. And so to read in, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's sending stuff around like that, but to read in others' work as well is just, it's very, very time consuming. So if you can connect with um, those writers in a way that affirms them and, and works alongside the burdens and the, the tasks that they're carrying and isn't trying to be pushy and just say, hey, I'm trying to get a platform or hey, I have the best thing to say in the world on this, but just more as a, a relational friend in that, um, I think you'll find some, uh, some camaraderie and some uh, community uh, in that way. Um, and another thing I think in that is if you write well and you submit to um, to resources like like GCD, if you submit to us uh, and you do it in a winsome way, I think you're going to find more open doors for being published than you would if you're just kind of um, arrogant or um, think too highly of yourself or your work or aren't, aren't even willing to be um, edited <laughs> uh, in that. That's a that's a another point that um, a lot of writers will submit stuff. And our editorial team will work with them. And then they'll be kind of offended, like, wait, you changed this. And we're like, yes, because it wasn't written well. Um, we want to help you communicate this idea better. And they're like, but that was my baby. That's the thing I said. Now you've killed it. And they're like, no, no, no. We just want you to communicate clearly and well what you're writing. And so being willing to be edited, I think, is a huge demonstration of humility. Um, and it makes you more winsome in, in connecting with others. I think the word you used uh, towards the beginning there was being helpful. Uh, I think it's interesting to think about how do I approach this topic of platform, not just from strategies and techniques to sort of leverage for my growth, but like how do, how do I use what, what little platform I may have to be helpful to others and see the way that that, um, that returns. Uh, I think about even you know this podcast, this isn't the largest platform of all podcasts, but for two years, I mean, I really have found just deep joy in saying, here's what I'm reading that's been helpful or people that have been helpful to me. How can I share this? And uh, that's the thing uh, uh, with this golden rule thing, right? Do to others as you would have them do. Yeah. Like the thing I'm looking for, I could actually start doing. And turns out that builds these relationships in ways that aren't just sort of transactional, but are actually genuine relationships where right. we find people we really are. There's some connection beyond just trying to promote one another, but some commonality in what we're trying to do. Um, I think approaching platform as how can I be helpful is a really interesting way to put that. And I think along that, you know, be the best uh, writer that you can be. Um, and as you are, you will find that um, people will start gravitating towards you in, in what you're communicating. Um, you know, you may only write uh, your personal blog and if you work really well to communicate uh, on that, if you if you take up the craft of writing and are disciplined and um, professional and and good at that, people will read your stuff. It'll get around. Um, if you if you submit things to uh, submit articles to publications, um, and and they're well written uh, and they're they're thoughtful um, and winsome, you will build your own platform in a way that you maybe never thought you would. And it, it won't always take the work of trying to uh, schmooze up to, uh, <laughs> to those with bigger platforms to get it. Um, I, I think there's a, and I think you'll be a lot more content uh, and happier. There's always this idea of like, Hey, I've got to pursue um, the bigger platform. I've got to s pursue the celebrity um, writers and um, get their attention so that then I have attention um, and some of the industry is geared that way um, through endorsements and all that sort of stuff. But 
if you can write well and communicate clearly and effectively, you'll, you'll build this community around you. That you'll be a lot more happy with and, and probably be a lot more intimate with, um, than you would just chasing after the, the affections and the approval of, uh, of, uh, others with their platforms. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And then there's the, uh, there's this big humility piece about how little you actually control in the process. You and I were sort of joking before our call about, I was, uh, I was pulling uh, links for the show notes for this episode and, and stumbled across something I didn't know about you that uh, <laughs> uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2014, uh, I, your mom who was serving in Liberia, I think you mentioned, was one of the few Americans who contracted Ebola, which launched you as a spokesperson onto all sorts of news outlets and videos. So I've got the story <laughs> right, correct? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're in. <laughs> yeah, and then I was saying that, uh, um, you know, my uh, uh, a few years ago, I had a tile stall stolen out of our driveway. We had been remodeling a bathroom, and I'd set it out to sort of drain. And our, uh, you know, our video cameras, like the doorbell camera, happened to pick it up, and I, I shared it on Facebook just to see if anybody in the neighborhood had seen anything. And it sort of blew up here locally, at least. People were sharing it and commenting. And I started getting all these messages about, I think it's this person. I think it's this person. <laughs> uh, it generated enough that the news, the local news, wanted to do a story on it. And uh, you and I were joking that you put all this work into writing and, and whatever this platform thing is you're supposed to be building. And then one day it's your mom's Ebola or a stolen yeah. tile saw that becomes your big social moment. Not yep. exactly something you could have planned or it turns out leverage for anything, uh, just the way the process goes. <laughs> and I think that's where it was like, okay, those sorts of things may happen and they may pop up um, and they might give you some more exposure to people. Um, but, but the craft of what you're writing, uh, the thought process behind what you're trying to communicate, that's really the most important thing. Um, you know, if we're, if we're saying that the glory of God in Christ, the gospel is the most uh, important reality in all the universe. And we're writing to that end and we're seeking to write well, um, some of these kind of odd viral things that may happen in our lives that, that maybe we don't even have control of, they might give us exposure. Um, but from that exposure, will we be able to take the opportunity to, to press in on what is the most important things? Yeah, you had a you had a much better opportunity to share the gospel with Ebola than I did a, a stolen tile saw. So uh, <laughs> I think it was the an big, opportunity nonetheless. Yeah, the one of the big definitely. takeaways for me is just you, you. So much of this process feels in your control, but so much of it really is ultimately in God's control and and the strange ways that He works or doesn't and His sovereignty in it. There's there's a kind of I think a humility and a trust in this process that that just depends on Him. Um, if you uh, if you could, as we sort of are alluding to some of these challenges, if you had to give just a word of encouragement to writers who are beginning this journey or stepping out into it, um, who are maybe sensing a little bit of that, um, I don't know what I have here, I don't know what to make of it, I don't know what this process is going to look like, what kind of encouragement do you often find yourself giving to those writers? Yeah, I think there's maybe a couple things that I would encourage them um, to, and, and the first one would be, um, to ask the question, who are you really writing for? Um, are you writing for your own glory, for your own platform, um, for your own noti notice? Um, or is your writing, um, as my friend Jonathan Dodson has put it, is your writing service to God? And um, can you take, you know, with, with uplifted hands, um, the work of your mind in your keyboard, uh, and lift that up before the Lord and say, God, this writing is, is to you and it's unto you and it's for your glory. And, um, so it's kind of a, a reorientation of your heart around, around what that is. Um, people who have like zero platform or people have, um, incredibly large platforms, 
if we're writing with the posture of to the glory of God and for him, that we are servants of his uh, in our writing, the, at the end of the day, we have the greatest being in the universe affirming our work um, if we're writing to him. So who cares if a million people read it versus 10 people or one person reads it? Uh, the Lord sees it and knows it. And so we can lift up our writing to him. Um, so write to the Lord first and foremost, I think would be one encouragement. Just kind of humble your heart and say, Lord, this is unto you uh, in, in that. And then the second thing would be like, don't give up. Write. Um, again, we stand on the shoulders of others in our thinking and in our, our study and in our, um, in our prayer and our writing. And so as we stand on the shoulders of others, um, your writing is for, is for somebody else. It will help somebody else. And that somebody may be you. Maybe it's just, you need a cathartic uh, moment to, to craft some of your own thoughts and, um, struggles and, uh, just need and putting, uh, putting pen to paper does that. I think that's, we, we forget journaling, I think, is writing uh, as well, and that's that's a great way to kind of process that. But that writing may be just for you, um, and so don't give up on that. And your writing may be a means of grace to help um, countless others through through it being published. And again, that's a means of grace to them that God's um, used your uh, your mind and your experiences and your heart to help serve other people. And so, I think. I think far too many times we kind of get a writers, we kind of begin to get a little bit um, introspective and start staring at our navel, uh, so to speak, and and don't realize who are we really writing for? Is is my writing a service for my own benefit or is it a service for God and for my neighbors? And um, if I see it in that light, then just just get at it, uh, write, and uh, let the Lord um, open and develop and bring platform to those places where he wants to. Um, but be a servant uh, in your writing. Get at it. Yeah, it's a really helpful word, um, Jeremy. I'm I'm very grateful for the work you do. Um, I'm thankful there are people out there who are recognizing uh, if the church is going to truly address all of life and grow disciples, uh, writers are going to play a role in that. And mm-hmm. part of that's the church being intentional about developing them. And so, thank you for your guys's hard work in doing that. If if listeners are interested in maybe participating in the uh, the intensive that's coming up, what's the best way for them to do that and also learn about maybe the cohorts as well down the road? Yeah, you can go to gcdiscipleship.com and uh, right up there at the top of our homepage, there's a little link that says writers and uh, has some information on submissions. So if you want to submit an article to GCD or a book proposal, we'd love to look at that. Um, but then there's a, a link for our mentoring cohort that happens every six months. And so uh, we're just getting ready to start one. I don't know when this uh, episode will air. Um, we're probably starting that one uh, right away. But uh, in uh, in early July uh, of this year, our next uh, season four uh, will start up again. And we would love to have you join us for that. And then there's a link for the Writers Intensive in Louisville on April 13th that you can click on, get more information about that and register there uh, for that as well. So we'd love to have you at the Writers Intensive. But just go to gcdiscipleship.com and look for that tag that says Writers. Yeah, sounds good. Well, Jeremy, thanks. Um, it's an honor, and uh, we pray you just uh, continue to be an encouragement to writers and and uh, keep making a dent in discipleship through writing, and uh, I'm thankful for the hard work you guys are putting in to do it. Thank you, Chase. Thanks for the time. Thank you for this podcast. I'm really encouraged by it and just the w- way you contribute uh, to writers growing, and uh, we share this podcast with our, our staff writers team and in the cohorts as well, so you're making an impact there and helping us along uh, as well, and so I'm really grateful for, for your time and just your work in this as well.
As always, you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 97. There you'll be able to find information about gospel-centered discipleship and Jeremy's writing. Also, just a reminder, uh, if you've got the time, maybe you're at your desk or at a place where you can, pastorwriter.com slash message, and there you can leave a brief audio message and be entered to win those Apple AirPods and help me celebrate 100 episodes just a few weeks away. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.